آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم صلي وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد طب القلوب ودوائها والنور الأبصار وضيائها وعافية الأبدان وشفائها وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد كلما ذكرك الذاكرون وغفل عن ذكرك الغافلون Today's evening lecture inshallah is revolving around the compatibility of al-Islam, deen al-Islam with modernity and the modern state and the modern world. Is there compatibility? And the question is, is Islam the need for the modern man? The response, of course, is that the needs of mankind, of humankind, are firstly not limited to intellectual and technological advancement. Technological and intellectual advancement is not unique to any one race. This is Sunnatullahi fil kawn. What do I mean by that? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants every nation the fruits of their efforts in the fields of science and technical, technological advancement, irrelevant to religion, irrelevant to whether they follow al-Islam or they do not follow al-Islam. If a nation or a group of people, they work towards advancing their worldly life, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards them on earth. And this was the state of the Arabs before the revelation of Al-Quran Al-Kareem. They had not given any great advancement or they had not given any contribution to the advancement of civilization prior to Al-Islam. But you had the Persians and the Indians and the Chinese and the Europeans a room in that time and the Africans and the Copts like the construction of the pyramids that they were advanced in science and mathematics even Libya if you read the history of Libya prior to Al-Islam you'll find many great advancements in North Africa alone but after Al-Islam, the Arabs of the Arabian Peninsula, when they came out, they advanced in many things. And they incorporated many of the civilizations that surrounded them. To the point that the Persians, they became Muslims, adopted Al-Islam, but they contributed to science also. But Al-Islam <coughs> is neutral towards science and techn technological advancement. This is why we have no crisis when it comes to the model of the universe. Copernicus or Galileo, whichever theory of the world, or of the, the model of the universe a scientist may have forwarded, it made no difference to the Muslim world prior to 
Copernicus, they were Muslim scientists who had already advanced a geocentric or a, a heliocentric model of the universe, a heliocentric model of the universe. This made no difference. Similarly, advancement of NASA creating te technolo technological advancements to the point that they were able to reach the moon does not affect the Iman of a Muslim. It doesn't affect our faith. So when it comes to technological advancement, Islam does not hinder scientific progress. Of course, the question will be why are Muslims backward in scientific progress in the past few hundred years? The answer is very simple. If you do not make the efforts and advancement and the funding for scientific progress, you will not progress irrelevant to whether you are Muslim or non-Muslim. So there is no link between scientific backwardness of the Muslims and their religion. Al-Islam is not a hindrance towards scientific progress. In fact, the majority of the Muslim countries, majority Muslim countries today, many of them have secular constitutions. And those that have some Islam in the constitution, Islam is only a legal framework in what they refer to as al-ahwal al-shakhsiyah, personal, private law, family law, marriage, inheritance. And there are very few nation states today that attempt to establish or tatbiq al-Islam, which is the application of Islamic law, 100%, very few that claim this. So the scientific backwardness cannot be laid on the shoulders of Al-Islam. But then, what does Al-Islam have to offer the modern man? Before going into this, I would want to say that it was a blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we firstly, in this modern age, we must understand that there are ni'amullahi al-zahira wal Blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that are outward, but then there are blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that are inward. Outwardly, the thing may seem like a punishment, but inwardly there is a great, great blessing. One of those historical factors was that the Khilafah, Al-Khilafatul Islamiyah, was formally abolished in 1924, outwardly. We see that as a bad thing, and indeed it's an obligation on the Muslims to re-establish Al-Khilafatul Islamiyah. But inwardly when we observe this, that in the modern age, man has advanced in technological weapons like nuclear warfare. Islam had no hand in giving humanity weapons which are weapons of mass destruction and weapons which are indiscriminate. No, no human being can claim that Islam gave humanity modern weapons which are indiscriminate in their destruction. So it is a mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we do not have our hands bloodied by the bloody wars of the 20th century. Because if you count the wars of the 20th century alone, tens and millions of people died unlike any other historical century. Now, some bigots, 
will claim with regard to Al-Islam that Al-Islam is a religion of warfare and blood, which is false. But if you count the number of dead that died in the wars between Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the polytheists al-mushrikeen, the number of death, dead, barely reached 1,000. In a period of 23 years of the preaching of Islam, when the non-Muslims, the al-mushrikeen, were the ones to raise the sword, Allah. not Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, later on permission was given to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for only 10 years out of a, the preaching of Islam for 23 years, only for 10 years, Al-Jihad was legislated. And within that time, in those battles, barely a thousand people died in those battles. Yet the entire Arabian Peninsula lied at the feet of Rasulullah at the end of that time. Unlike modernity. So when people say mankind has advanced, this is something that is what? This is something relative. Has mankind indeed advanced that the previous century we saw the wars between communism and capitalism and what is referred to as the Cold War, the post-World War II Cold War and then foreign policies of the US and various Western nations in which tens and millions of humanity have died. Is this indeed advancement? What do we, in, what do we mean when we say humanity has advanced? Is it the fact that we have gas piping and electric in our homes and co creature comforts? Is this real advancement? Or is the advancement that is entailed in the wars the, where indiscriminately millions of people have died and even in the slave trade alone in the 1700s, over 15 million black Africans were exported from Western Africa alone into the Caribbeans, into the, uh, the, what was known as the colonies at the time. Was this advancement of humanity or was this the growth of modern consumer capitalism? Then what does Islam have to offer with this regard? That even when you read British historians, they will tell you that the slavery that was prevalent in Al-Islam or Darul Islam at the time cannot be even compared to the slavery that was in the West. Because slavery in Al-Islam, Al-Islam abolished all forms of slavery except one. What was the one form of slavery that was permitted? It was not based upon enslaving someone because of their skin color. It was not based upon enslaving someone who is a free man. It was based upon what is known today as prisoners of war. That when an invading army or an, a group of people, they would violate, they would violate the sanctity of peace, then in the case of warfare, the ruler only had the option, he, one option of many options, to enslave them. But this enslavement entailed that the person was given eight hours of freedom daily. Eight hours where he would work for his master, but could not be burdened with work, that he had the right to go to the district judge, Al-Qadi, and complain. And eight hours of sleep to rest. And then eventually such a person would be freed, emancipated. And also many of them, when they were emancipated, they reached high posts within the Islamic communities. So to liken slavery in Al-Islam 
with slavery in the Western world, which in fact was taking as captives millions of African people from West Africa especially, and then taking them across to the Caribbean to work in the sugar in order to make a refined sugar. As many of you from Suriname will already know that they were sent to these hot climates. Why? So they could work as slaves and then on the cotton fields they were made to work. To compare the two in today's discourse, in when there is discourse regarding Islam is false. It's a disanalogy. Some of them, they said Rasulullah had slaves, but they don't mention that Rasulullah had 63 slaves that he bought to set free. So one slave for every year of his life, why would he go out of his way to purchase a slave? To set the slave free. Like everyone knows with regard to Sayyiduna Bilal So when people criticize Al-Islam and they say there is slavery in the Quran, why are you not mentioning that when Al-Islam and the Quran, when the Quran was revealed, there were people who owned slaves and they asked, with regard to the rights of the slaves and verses of the Quran were revealed in that context. Islam was not legislating slavery. Islam was regulating slavery. Islam was abolishing the majority forms of slavery and only permitted one form, which is the war captives. Today, when Western nations, they plunder a country like they plundered Afghanistan, Britain and America, they plundered Afghanistan in October uh, 2001, they invaded Afghanistan on the pretext of the 9-11 nihilistic attacks on the Twin Towers. After that plundering of Afghanistan, you have a refugee crisis. What happens to refugees? They end up in places like Holland and Europe and on the ports within France and uh, they enter uh, Britain and other countries and then you have Western people complaining about a refugee crisis. Of course your plundering of Afghanistan has caused the refugee crisis and we know that the media has short-term memory. They only remember things from five minutes ago. They will mention a problem of refugees but they will not mention these refugees are coming in from Afghanistan and Iraq and all those places that have been plundered and people have been displaced because of your foreign policy. Now, when you compare the refugee crisis, and then you also look at places like Guantanamo Bay, an uh, island that belongs to what? Belongs to Cuba in reality, but America carries out its human rights violations on that island because they will not be questioned by anyone when they carry out their human rights violations. You compare the way those prisoners on Guantanamo Bay are treated in comparison with what you claim with regard to Islam and slavery. How the slave is treated in Al-Islam. Why do you not mention that the slave is given the same clothing as the slave master? The same quality of clothing. Why do you not mention that the, it's prohibited and illegal for the slave master to beat his slave? Why do you not mention that the slave must eat the same food as the slave master? Why do you not mention that the Quran exhorts the people to free the slaves, to give them freedom? Many, many times in the Quran, 
The people are exhorted, and these are prisoners of war. And why do you not mention that Islam prohibits enslaving free people in the first place? You are not permitted to form raiding parties like the uh, colonialists of various European nations. When they would enter Africa, they would go into villages and enslave the black Africans, especially targeting the black African tribal peoples, and they would enslave them and send them on the ships, upon which many of them would die of uh, dehydration. Because minimally, a person needs four pints of water daily to drink. They wouldn't even give them fresh drinking water and they would be placed in the, the bottom of the ships and they would die in their hundreds. And then we know over 15 million were transported and people today, they discuss the Jewish Holocaust where the vile act of killing young children and women was carried out but no one ever mentions the African Holocaust. Yes, so some of them will say, to the African person, you must forget this history now. It was hundreds of years ago, but when they were their poppy and they woke up on, on a, a V day and uh, they remember 11-11 on the 11th hour, on the 11th minute, when millions of young white European men were sent onto the borders of France to fight Germany and they died in the trenches, they will never forget that with their poppy. But there is no poppy to be worn for the black African who died in his tens and millions. So corporate capitalism has nothing real, real to say with regard to al-Islam. Even with regard to al-Jihad, which is what? Warfare in al-Islam, they quote the hadith, Umirtu an uqatil an-nasa hatta yaqulu la ilaha illallah. They quote this hadith. They, and when they quote the hadith, they attempt to inform us what our religion says. What does the hadith, uh, how do they translate the hadith? They mistranslate the hadith as being what? I have been commanded to kill the people until they say la ilaha illallah. What they do not mention, the word an uqatila is from muqatala, bab mufa'ala, which is reciprocation, which means I have been commanded to fight those who fight me. I have been commanded to fight those who, are fight, who fight me. Why did Islam permit Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the Quran, why did it permit the Muslims to fight those who fight them so they could avoid situations where their lands would be colonized and their people would be enslaved in the millions. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala legislated jihad for them that you must protect your lands so people do not enter your lands and enslave your people. This is the real meaning of jihad. Even the offensive jihad, it entails what? It entails carrying out uh, like modern warfare, in modern warfare, America with its uh, international military might at times may carry out acts of intervention. It may carry out acts of what? Of air raids, aerial bombing of regions with the claim that they are defending their rights to uh, protect their land from criminal activities or terrorist activities. Al-Islam has given the right to a Muslim ruler, Al-Amir or Al-Khalifa to what? To carry out strikes when he needs to carry out strikes and this is the real meaning of Al-Jihad to protect the in interests of the borders. This was the meaning of Al-Jihad. Not the Jihad that has been misconstrued by Al-Qaeda network which is a, a network formed from the American war of 1979 to 1989 in, against communist Russia. Meaning a CIA-backed war, 
they were right to kick out the communists, but at the same time, it was a CIA-backed war, bringing in young Saudi Arabs, bringing in uh, all the uh, disenfranchised Arab youth from the, uh, the Arab nations like Egypt, people from the prisons of Egypt, bringing them into Afghanistan, training them. As a result of that, you had one group which was known as Al-Qaeda. Within Al-Qaeda, then Osama bin Laden was not a mufti. He gave a fatwa that you can target civilians, which is misinforming the, the Muslims with regard to legal warfare in Islam. And this confused millions of people at that time, thinking that Islam permits people to kill women and children, people who are not armed fighters. And of course, this was false. The, the reality is that it is hadith mutawatir, mass transmitted hadith from Rasulullah that the fighters are prohibited from killing women and children, innocent bystanders. So, with regard to al-Islam, al-Islam in the modern age would abolish something which is known as usury. What is usury? Usury is the, and in Amsterdam, of course, we have a capitalist banking history in this city, which goes back a few hundred years, and in London also. And we know with regard to the inception of the Bank of England, and when William of Orange, William of Orange, who became the king of what? Of England also. At that time, the introduction of the Bank of England, when the bank was given autonomy over the state. In what? In printing money. This led to what? The profusion of a riba in the world. How does a riba affect the world? And why does Islam call for the the abolishment of a riba, not permitting a riba at all. A riba, which is usually, affects everything from South America to the point that the people in South America, they cut down the rainforest, which destroys the biosphere to the point that the lungs of the world, today everyone is complaining about CO2 emissions. And the corporate capitalists want to bring in the electric car. When they want to bring in the electric car at the same time, they raise the prices of electric. Yes, so it affects everyone. The poor become poorer and the rich become richer. And at the same time, these countries in South America, you look at the, the foreign policy of, Ameri of the United States in South America, an appalling human rights record. But at the same time, the IMF gives out which is the loaning arm of, the, of Western corporate capitalism. They give money out to these countries and then they charge them usury, which accumulates over time to the point that the people cut down the rainforest in order to sell the wood. And then with the money procured from the wood, they give it back to, give, to pay off just the debt, the interest accumulated on the debt, never mind the debt itself. And then the governments will raise the taxes. So the, the common person is taxed. This is why countries are taxed so high. Holland has a very high taxing system. England, ha or the UK, has high taxation from the time of William the Conqueror, 1066. But one, but one thing you will notice with regard to tax, 
tax will always lead to the downfall of any government to the point that what is known as the colonies in America, what led to the independence of America from the British, uh, uh, from the British during the time of the colonies, check the year 1765. What happened in the year 1765? The British began to overtax them and it led to rebellion. But what happens today? That the common people are taxed and then the, what we are facing today, inflation. We see that prices rise and the common people are taxed. But all of this is a result of what? Of usury, of a riba, proliferation of a riba. To the point that people, in order to pay off their debts, they begin to over farm the land. As farmers, people who have a farming background would know that you can farm a land, but if you over farm a land, what does it lead to? It leads to desertification of the soil. The soil becomes dry, and then you increase the desert size, so deserts increase. So you cut down the rainforest, then some of them will cut down the rainforest so their cattle can eat from the graze, so they can cut beef and export the beef for cheap to America. And what will they do with the money accumulated? Pay off their debts. And then it leads to more problems with the environment. And some, sometimes in some countries, when people cannot pay off their debts, it leads to prostitution in those countries. Meaning a riba causes problems like prostitution. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَقْرَبُوا zina." Do not even approach a zina. Fornication and adultery. إِنَّهُ كَانَ فَاحِشَةً وَسَاءَ سَبِيلًا That it is fahisha, immoral. And سَاءَ sabila, A bad way of relieving your desires. But it leads to other problems. Like when I went to Malawi, I observed and someone told me, meaning the society, they said that sometimes they find dead bodies of fetus a child in a river. Why? Because young women and men, when they commit a zina, they may have a child and then to hide the pregnancy, sometimes they abort the child and kill the child. And then you have human so-called human rights groups, so-called human rights groups, calling for the right of the woman to abort a child. So this is, a con this is doublespeak, Orwellian doublespeak. How? You are a human rights group but you are calling for the killing of children. Rather than calling for the killing of children, you should be calling for the prohibition of sex before marriage. There is a great difference, meaning the prohibition of a zina. That a zina, if, two, if a man and woman, they want to copulate, they must have a nikah by law. If they do so out of law, then they do something criminal and illegal. Why? Because it leads to other harms in society. One of them is STDs, sexually transmitted diseases. So if you look at the legislation of Islam, you will find a wisdom behind every legislation. Like a riba is prohibited for a reason. A zina is prohibited for a reason. Similarly, alcohol is prohibited for a reason. That Islam has what is known as maqasidu sharia, the aims of the law. What are the aims of the law? Firstly, the, the law will protect, meaning the Sharia will protect your Iman, but it will also protect your mind. It will protect your mind that you are not permitted to drink alcohol. And similarly, you are not able to take what? You're not permitted to take cannabis. 
رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم سید کلو مسکر حرام ایوری انٹاکسیکنٹ از حرام ان دا لانگ رن اف یو چیک دا کارلیشن بٹوین کینبس اینڈ مینٹل ہیلتھ یو ول سی دیٹ دیر از اے اسٹرانگ کارلیشن بٹوین دا ٹو بٹ سملرلی ایوری مسکر اینڈ ایوری ہارمفل سبسٹنس از پرائیویٹڈ ان اسلام ایوری لیجسلیشن وی ابزرو از فار آر اون بینیفٹ لائک دی سالا دیٹ وی پرائی فائیو ٹائمز اے ڈے از فار آور اون بینیفٹ اللہ سبحانہ و تعالی سیز ان الصلاة تنہا عن الفحشاء والمنکر انڈیڈ وات دیٹ الصلاة پرائر پروہیبٹس تنہا عن الفحشاء فرم امارل اکٹس والمنکر ریجیکٹبل اکٹس دیٹ وین یو پرائی فائیو ٹائمز اے ڈے دس ہیومن ایگو از لائک این انیمل ایٹ ہیز اٹس انیمل ٹریٹس دی امیڈیٹ سیٹسفیکشن آف دا ڈیزائرز وچ آر ایپیٹائٹس Just to fulfill the appetites, the, the ego becomes animalistic. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated salah five times a day, we keep our ego in check. We overlook its what? Training of the soul that when we pray salatul fajr, we do not become engrossed in oversleeping to the point that our animalistic desires of oversleeping we keep our sleep in check also when we pray salatul dhuhr and we are immersed in the dunya and salatul asr we keep our ego in check meaning a man or a woman they may have multiple desires but when they go to the prayer they remember allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they also ultimately remember what that when they do sajda on the ground that they will end up back in the ground minha khalaqnakum that we created you from it meaning from soil wa fiha nu'idukum and we shall return you back to the earth wa minha nukhrijukum taratan ukhra and we shall extract you from the earth another time so when you do sajda firstly the, there is much wisdom in the sajda in the prostration number one that when you observe the earth ultimately you remember that that is where i shall return That is what I have come from and that is where I will return. Also when the human becomes arrogant because sometimes a person may have wealth, they may accumulate wealth, they may have health, good health, but health is short-timed short as well. Meaning uh, suddenly your health can go. A person may have wealth, he may have health, he may have well-being and this can lead to arrogance sometimes because they begin to think that they are on earth forever. So when they pray five times a day, they realize that they will one day go back to the earth. And when they go down into sajda, they realize ultimately Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-Rabb. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-Ilah. He is the one who looks after my affairs. And in reality, nowadays people shout, Hurriya, Hurriya. That they want freedom and they want freedom. But they don't realize, Al-Ubudiyya lillahi is Hurriya really. Servitude to Allah is real freedom. That when you become Abdullah, when you become the slave of Allah, you are free from the makhluk. And this is what happened with the Sahaba alayhi muridwan. When the Persian king, when he invited the envoy to enter the tent in order to discuss with him why are they waging war against the Persian empire. When he entered the tent, the envoy 
of the army of Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah radiallahu an. When he entered the tent, he observed that the king had placed drapes, expensive drapes and expensive carpets and he had men bowing down to him. And the Sahabi radiallahu an, he enters with a spear and he turns the spear upside down and he walks upon the carpets, tearing the carpet as he goes along. And then he sits right next to the king. And, and then the people become surprised. So the king says via an interpreter, why have you Arabs come to us? And he says, pointing at the men around him who are bowing down, we have come to take humanity out of servitude to creation and bring them into the servitude of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is real freedom. When a person becomes Abdullah and he realizes Mudabbirul Kawn is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he does not worship a man. Then he will have real freedom. Then when he does not worship any human being, when he does not worship a rock, when he does not worship a tomb, like in Turkey today where they worship the grave of Ataturk, the leader of the country, a, a secularist who received millions of gold, a worth of gold from the Indian subcontinent. And then what did he do? He gave away the gold to a bank and received a paper currency. The Turkish lira, the inflated Turkish lira. So the Muslims of India gave him millions of uh, worth of gold. In reality, he should have established gold currency. But instead, he gave the Western capitalist bankers the, the gold and they gave him a Turkish lira and a Turkish national bank. And then his tomb today, some of them, the secularist Turks, they have anniversaries and they act as if they worship Ataturk. But in reality, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us to be Khalifa fil Ard, which is what? The caretakers of the earth. And this is why Islam, what does it have to offer the modern man? That it has to offer the modern man that if you follow Islam, you will not have firstly mental slavery. You will not be the slave of a flag. You will not be the slave of a national anthem. You will not be the slave of any men. You will not be the slave of anyone. You will only be the slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What else does Islam to offer the modern man? You will have emancipation from slavery in terms of your wages. That in Islam, the only taxes which are mentioned is what? Zakatul Amwal and Kharaj. If you check the history of Nuruddin Zangi, rahimahullah ta'ala, he abolished all the taxes. The predecessor to whom? To a Sultan Salahuddin al Ayyubi. At that time, there was no Kurdish nationalism. There was no Arab nationalism. There was no Turkish nationalism. There was no Pakistani nationalism. There was only Al-Islam. That a, a, a Nuruddin Zangi being a Turk, Salahuddin al Ayyubi being a Kurd, both of them ruling Arabs. Why? Because they were Muslim. Subhanallah. They ruled Arab lands, but they were Muslims. And then what happened? Nuruddin Zangi, rahimullah, he abolished the taxes. He only established Zakatul Amwal and Kharaj and the Islamic taxes, which are redistributed amongst the poor. Not taxes for the rich to accumulate and store away and misuse. No, the taxes in Islam are redistributed amongst the poor 
but also the abolishment of a riba. That Islam offers to abolish riba, which enslaves so many people. Now in England, they even introduce inheritance tax. That a man, if he has more than 500,000 pounds, when he dies, the government will take over 40% of his money. So imagine this, a man, he works all his life, 40 years, 50 years, paying off a mortgage. Firstly, the mortgage system, which is riba also. And Rasulullah said, يَأْتِي عَلَى النَّاسِ زَمَانٌ يَأْكُلُ فِيهِ النَّاسُ الرِّبَى فَمَنْ لَمْ يَأْكُلْهُ فَيُصِيبُهُ مِنْ غُبَارِهِ As Imam Abu Dawood narrates in his sunan that a time will come upon the people that they shall consume riba. Whoever doesn't consume riba, the dust will afflict him. Now a man, he works 40 to 50 years paying off his mortgage, enslaved. And during that time, the currency is inflated. So he's working, he may save money. Let's say he saves 40,000 pounds, the value goes down. Why? Because there is an economic crash. So all the money he has earned is devalued. And then he pays off his riba all his life. His hair goes gray. And then his children place him in an old people's home. Because Al-Islam, again, emancipates people that they must look after their parents. This is why young people like myself, never place your parents in an old people's home. It's haram. Yes, that you will look after your parents even if you have to give up your job. Because when you look after your parents, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless your rizq, your sustenance and your life. You will live long. He will bless your sustenance. So this man, when they don't follow Islam, even Muslims, they don't follow Islam. The man, his hair will go grey, his back will go bent, paying riba for all his life. And then if he doesn't follow Islam, drinks alcohol, does zina, he may enjoy this for a short amount of time. But then he earns all this money and then he dies. And then the government takes over 40%. Islam offers to emancipate people from such things. So additionally, even the ibadat, the acts of worship in Islam, like fasting in the month of Ramadan, what does it give us? People think it's only being hungry. Fasting in the month of Ramadan trains you not to be an animal. Why? What is an animal? A person who fulfills his desires as soon as they come. But what does Ramadan teach you? Restrain. It teaches you not to have addictions. People have many addictions. But in the month of Ramadan, for one month a year, they train the self to have no addictions. They limit the self that they will realize, if you realize in the month of Ramadan, whenever you restrain yourself, after Ramadan is over, you will find it easier to restrain yourself from many vices. This is the wisdom behind the month of Ramadan. Similarly, zakat has many wisdoms that when we give a fraction of our wealth to the poor. Imagine Saudi Arabia with all its oil wealth. Since oil was discovered and they permitted Western corporations to take the oil from that time until today, if they only gave a rikaz, what is a rikaz? A rikaz is one-fifth of the oil being given to the poor. One-fifth, according to some of the fuqaha, one-fifth of the natural minerals, one-fifth of the revenue should be given out to the poor. Imagine in Saudi Arabia, originally the country's name is Arabia. Remember, Saudi Arabia is the only country named after a family. 
But the Saudi royal family, prior to them, it was known as what? Jaziratul Arab. Imagine that just one-fifth of that minerals was redistributed amongst the poor of that country and the surrounding regions. How much of the poverty would be alleviated? This is the, the blessings of Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or 2.5% of the zakat was distributed fairly and equally. And they had a currency which was made from gold and silver as opposed to paper money, which has nowadays it's polymer money, which has no real, real intrinsic value. So this is the blessings of Al-Islam and additionally there is so much more that could be said with regard to Ash-Shariatul Islamiyya and responding to the objections against Ash-Shariatul Islamiyya. Like they mention Hijabul Mar'ah, the woman covering up. What is the wisdom of this? Remember, the woman covering up, the wisdom of that is that the woman is given respect from perverted men. That when, in that time, the woman of honor would cover her face. The woman of honor would cover her face. It was not seen as a sign of oppression. How many of you would have known that in the Islamic history, the woman who was a slave was not permitted to cover her face. The woman who was a slave was permitted to even show her chest and her arms. The woman who was a slave and the woman who was a free, free woman, she would go around with a face veil. Now the scales have turned the other way. They claim that the woman who walks around naked is free and the woman who walks around covered is the woman who is enslaved. So this is the inverse, inverse thinking of the modern age. So this problem that you have in Iran now, where the women are taking off their scarves, the Iranian government firstly, instead of enforcing the hijab, should instruct the women with regard to the wisdom of hijab. You cannot enforce... Remember in the Quran and the Sunnah, there is no punishment mentioned. The Quran instructs the believing women, it's a fard that they should cover. But there's no punishment mentioned. So the rulers must be wise in this day and age. They must advise the women with al-mu'idha, al-hasana, and al-hikmah, meaning good admonition and wisdom, with regard to the wisdom of why women cover, and that their freedom is in covering, that they are given that respect. How many cases have happened with Epstein and Weinstein, and other steens, and also Jimmy Savile and all these other people that when, I don't know, maybe in Holland there have been so many cases of what sexual abuse that occurs. Why? Because if they followed Sharia, what does Sharia tell you? That you cannot be alone with another woman in a room. A law that if the woman is not related to you, you cannot be alone with her. A simple rule. And Rasulullah said, it is better to have a piece of iron, words to the effect, put into the hand, than shake hands with a woman. So if you cannot even shake hands with a woman, then you can never sexually abuse a woman. Because you cannot even touch her, she's haram for you. And therefore in the laws of Islam, there is utmost respect for women. And likewise people ask, they say, you know the, the law of stoning, it is so harsh for the adulterer. That this law is so harsh that you stone an adulterer. But what they do not mention, have you heard of crimes of passion? Crimes of passion, a man enters his home 
or a woman enters a home and they find their spouse sleeping with another person and they see red, they go mad and they kill both of them. Why? Because zina results in murder and destruction of the family. So when Islam legislates this, there is a prevention of that action in the first place. So when people say Islam is not compatible with modernity, what is modernity? Again, I will conclude with this. If you say modernity is having gas fire, having gas in the house, electricity, having a television, using a microphone, having a camera, this modernity does not affect a Muslim or his Islam. But if you mean modernity as in human trafficking, which is widespread today, if you mean modernity, exploitation of, of humanity through enslavement, if you mean through uh, modernity, utilizing the woman as a sexual toy, not respecting the woman, if you mean by modernity, all these vices like drinking alcohol and smoking cannabis, if this is what you mean by modernity, then Islam answers the solution. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us grasp unto our deen and to Al-Quranul Kareem and the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam and to understand our religion as it should be understood and not to fall victim to the propaganda Al-Ghazw Al-Fikri the, the intellectual war against Al-Islam and arm ourselves with what intellectual responses to all these things أقول قولي هذا واستغفر الله لي ولكم وأتوب إليه نرى التكبير نرى رسالة سبحان الله